So you know when I'm recording these, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know a lot about mysticism, but my understanding is a major component of mysticism is you don't remember it happening. Like it just sort of like it's, it's a phase that you go through and you're, you're connected to the divine or the trees or, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you got. So I don't actually remember very much uh, except in big elephant terms of what we talk about. Now, last episode, I think I think this word culture netes came out of it. What, who said that? What, did you say did. that, Matt Ray? Now, yeah. now, what was the context for that? <laughs> uh, I think we were spitballing on on surefire talks for the uh, the speaker mm, conference circuit, yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay, now that's good. That would explain why you've propagated this meme so much, because I, I don't know if you would have done such charity for my brilliance. No, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for the next, uh, the next dead horse I can take her in and beat, beat on the circuit. So, uh... <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for self-promotion. I think this is one of the, uh, it's kind of a fraught area, but I think, I think one of the pieces of advice that is not given enough is like. You should just be uh, really self-promotional. What you need to master to advance in your career is the art of self-promotion without seeming like you're doing it too much. Like it's okay for people to kind of like know like you're doing it, but you've got to be. Uh, you, you don't want to be unseemly. You want to be seemly about it. And like as an example, I think one of the um, the best minor but wise and wide affecting piece of self promotion in a corporate setting I got was, as always, from one of my How to Survive Incorporation mentors, Mark Cathcart, the delightful, used to be, I think he was an IBM fellow or a distinguished engineer, maybe Brandon can explain the matrix of technical leadership to me, I, I don't know. Um, and um, I think he, w- he was like, he was like highest level minus one. He was basically like a full bird colonel, but they wouldn't make him <laughs> super a engineer minus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know is that is that a DE or or a fellow, Brandon? No, the the fellow, the IBM fellow, is higher than the okay. IBM distinguished engineer for okay. those scoring at home. Well, if Mark is listening, I don't mean to be insulting it with remembering it, but I don't think he was the highest level. Which, which having worked with him is was an awful crime. He had. I'm going to know I'm going on a tangent here, but he had some wonderful stories about things they would store uh, underneath the floor and mainframes, like heating up. He's, <laughs> he's British. So, you know, he'd be like, we used to heat up our curry for lunch, <laughs> like, you know, on top of the hard drive and things like so, that. So, so essentially the way, <laughs> the way you, you make it to the top of, of engineering is by learning where the bodies are buried yeah, well, the, in the data center. <laughs> and, and so, so getting back to it, his small though important piece of tactical advice which i think about all the time when i'm in the setting is uh let me summarize it and it is be visible and the, the way that he explained that to me was so if you're at a conference right like one of an ibm you know has five or six of these conferences a year um and your boss or your boss's boss or whoever is up on stage talking you should sit in the front row yep. just like be visible and like always try to be visible and like i struggle with that because I prefer to be way in the back. Now, I tell myself that this is because I want to observe the crowd and see how it's working. But really, it's because as, as long-term listeners would know, I don't actually want to be around most people. Like, like my favorite T-shirt says, not an introvert, just don't like you. So like, it's really that I just want to be around. I should get that shirt, that I don't want to be around people. But I try very hard to always sit in the front row, uh, literally or metaphorically speaking. So, you know... That's that's the kind of advice you get from uh, from Mark. You know, good good. I'll I'll stop rambling. But my favorite story that I tell myself about him was, uh, I think the first year I was at Red Monk, uh, I was in as as all conferences seemed to be back then, especially IBM ones. I was in uh, the Venetian, and we were walking from the uh, the fake uh, what do you call that Venetian creeks that they got the boats in uh, gondolas and we were we were walking from there and we being me and james governor and um james's phone rings and or no my phone rings and this is back when i had a motorola razor and i pick it up and uh all of a sudden i hear i it's one of those situations to to quote our friend chris merrick i'm pretty sure this is in english but i've listened to it three times and i don't understand all of it 
<laughs> and uh, he was talking about writing, of course. But so it was Mark on the other end, and I don't even know what kind of accent he has, but it was just like this insanely thick British accent, and I had no idea what he was saying. And so I just kind of looked over at James, and I handed him the phone, and I said, here, I can't understand him, and just handed the <laughs> phone to him. And next thing you know, the Mark, James, and I, along with the senior vice president who had under him – uh, PDFs and other stuff, or no, he was just like rando, powerful senior vice president and two other Adobe people, uh, are, are sitting in that, uh, that restaurant across from where the blue man group is. And James proceeds to, for 90 minutes, talk about how Adobe fucked him over by closing PDF. And, uh, I think we signed up Adobe for a large amount of money that year, but it was, it was a very memorable little trip that I had there. How did we get on this topic? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think we should follow up with it. I, I want to go back, you know, unpack it a little bit. One, on the conference seating, I will say the advantage to the front row is the extra leg space. Having mm, just come off a little, like a little run. So I actually think the best place to sit is kind of that, like, second cluster of chairs where they've, like, made, like, a little bit of an aisle where people can walk by. So you're not, like, exactly in the front row. So yeah, yeah. I do think that's uh, an advantage of just conference seating in general. And then uh, I think we finally learned that James Governor – very much a fan of the challenger sales model i think i think we can confirm that um if there was anyone else wondering yes yep yep yep. so as i've worked with james i guess i've been uh i guess companies have hired him and uh he has presented the challenger sales model to me personally he's very good uh, it's always good yeah yes yeah it's a good it's a good model no and 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 to to be clear to repeat it again uh, I, don't, I don't know how it is now because I haven't been there since 2011, but we had a very productive, fruitful, uh, engaging relationship with Adobe for many years after mm-hmm. that. It was uh, That was a fun company, and I'm sure it still is, but I don't know anything That's about it. That's sad, but PDF uh, still closed last time I checked, so uh, <laughs> no, no, didn't no they, luck on that. Didn't they no make an open that. standard out of it or something? Oh, maybe you're right. You can export. That's right. In Word, you can. Uh, but but I mean, I think I think it's a, I think it's a ECMIA or whatever standard or, or something. Okay. I, I may say I, I you 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 were probably correct. Yeah. I just want to I just want to live in a world where I export uh, to PDF from Microsoft products that my links my hyperlinks still work. So if anyone can get on that. Brandon, really Brandon, it. it's been several years since that trigger issue has come up. You just ruined my please, day. But please, I'm just saying, I just felt like we don't talk about PDF enough. Oh my so God. let's just let's just add that. Let's plus one that in the enhancement backlog. Let's okay, get that user okay. story going. We'll put that in the parking lot. That's fuck. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you know, so, somewhat greasing the getting me off of this this topic of of old shit no one cares about. Like, I mean, it is it is interesting to reflect on. All this talk of multi-cloud and lock-in and, and, you know, why in our favorite world topic, like, it's almost redundant now when you talk about Kubernetes to say that it's like, you know, mainline vanilla upstream hootenanny, right? That it's basically all compatible with each other, you know, except maybe for the registry and how you handle security and how you do authentication and how you might maybe storage, uh, maybe storage pretty much everything except the running stateless instance. But, hey. Hey, it's portable. Anyways, we're getting there. Uh, it, it is interesting to reflect that this paranoia does indeed come from very good sources, right? Like one, uh, Microsoft trying to destroy Netscape. And it's not like Netscape was, you know, fucking rainbow and sandals on its own, as I recall. Um, and, then, and then, of course, you had the uh, fear of Microsoft Office taking over and this huge battle over, like, opening up the Word standard versus not opening it up and... And then you have PDF, and then there was RIAs versus like HTML5 versus like uh, Android and, and iOS. And like people used to really care about this and think that, like, you know, for lack of uh, sort of like fake news and, and Russian black ops and Facebook, this is like what people were freaking out about how tech was destroying civilization. But you know, nowadays, you can just like export to a Word doc from paper, no problem, everything's cool. But, you know, not not to dismiss all that fretting, but all that hand wringing did. It's hard, you know, it's hard to figure out like uh, causation and correlation and just like caustic chatter. But like uh, nowadays, I think we're at a pretty good place. I mean, I would like it if if the markdown that was exported from paper was consistent and I didn't have to do that extra step to edit it to get it into Fireside. But but what are you going to do? Yeah, but this is this is like the the. 
man, I'm going to go old school right here. <clears throat> this is like Y2K, right? Mm. A whole lot of hand-wringing went on. A whole lot of work went on. And then not a lot went wrong, you know, come come January 1st, you know, 2000. And is it correlation, causation? You know, did, it, did nothing happen because oh, of yeah. all the hand-wringing? And we all fixed it. And, you know, uh, I remember a lot of hours, you know, the months up to uh, – uh, up to uh, December 31st, and you know, I, they, you got to stay on top of these things. But, but like you said, there, there's a lot more uh, pressing concerns these days. Um, yeah. it, it would be nice just to keep our heads in the tech stack, uh, if you will. Yeah, you know, there must be, there must be, uh, you know, our 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 business book librarian Brandon might know, but there must be some bias of like things going, the bias of things going well instead of fucking up. Where like if you put in all this effort for things to turn out well and then they turn out well, you're like, well, why did I need to do all of that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like unless unless there's some sort of like negative suffering that results uh, from you trying to remediate something, you feel as if it was wasted effort remediating it. Right. Because I mean, I think there was a lot of coding that went on during Y2K, right? Like, there's you you were, you were there. We worked at a banking company. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, so like, like code was changed that would have gone wrong, and yet we're unhappy. I mean, I mean, you know, there, there's a whole other there, point. Yeah, of we're like, unhappy. There weren't more fires to fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was we're, expecting. We're, we're, I was expecting Lord Humongous, and all I yeah. got was tomorrow. <laughs> don't, don't worry, I, I rolled back all those patches for the the Unix epoch. You know, yeah, in, in uh, with twenty years, we're in for a treat. Yeah. Well, um, well. So, yeah. so. Uh, sorry that I've dug us into another delightful oscillating pit of of nonsense here. But uh, yes. so, Brandon, South by Southwest Interactive. I'll, uh, I saw some news stories, but I have to admit, I almost feel ashamed. I have not tracked this conference as close as I used to. So I don't really. I saw the uh, the mayor of London said we should regulate <laughs> tech companies. Elon Musk wants. To make he wants some starship trooper shit about colonizing Mars, so it's not just for rich rich people. And our friend Worley launched a quantum computing thing. That's all I got. What what else was going on? <laughs> That's a pretty good summary. I think I would say I, really four things I took away, just as like major trends. Like um, a lot of the plan, a lot of panels on diversity. Diversity was a huge topic this year. So almost every one of them. Uh, every track and most of the panels somehow touched on diversity in tech and, you know, kind of the, you know, various movements going on. So that was a, a huge theme. Uh, a lot of AI, mostly machine learning. So again, lots of sessions around. We took this data set and we uh, built some machine learning algorithm. And now we've found some new insights we didn't know before. So that was, um, you saw a lot of those sessions. I have to be honest, I didn't go too much, but there was a tremendous amount of talk about the blockchain. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm kind of exhausted on the blockchain, so I, I kind of opted out a lot of that. Mm. Can, 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 I, can, I, can I interject there? Just a little, little, uh, little um, channel check, metaphorically speaking. This weekend, or this past long weekend, we had a nice little rental on Canyon Lake. Lovely. I recommend it. And uh, there was much conversation among the normals I was with about what exactly is Bitcoin and the blockchain. Like lots of oh, conversation, dear. and and Kim actually just uh, happened to have listened to a podcast yesterday that was trying to explain it as well, along with the dark web, which which was oh, fun. so scary. So so blockchain, yes, yes, very very popular. So please please go on. I just wanted to add that marginalia. Yeah, no, no problem. I think that's I think Kim probably represents a, a lot of people because you know, remember South by Southwest Interactive. It's it's like. As the name sort of implies, it's kind of like the internet has a conference. So you get kind of like media, technical people, sports, personalities, um, just like a whole bunch of different people that's kind of related, but not really. So uh, there are like these very – lots of the topics are broad, but kind of only like an inch deep, right? So it's a lot of <laughs> people like explaining yeah. uh, just like, well, the blockchain is the distributed ledger part of – you know, you're, the thing you've probably heard a million times – if you're listening to this podcast. Right. Um, and then there was a lot of um, kind of what I would call like podcast media. So kind of the new media. So 
like the the podcasts that I uh, attended that were like live tapings were um, I actually went like the Pod Save America guys were here in town, so that was like a big show. Mm. So I went down there and uh, represented Software Defined Talk at uh, uh, the show. They did a good job. Very large audience. So was, they filled a room or not a room, a uh, auditorium of about two thousand people twice because they did two shows. And then uh, the Part of my take guys of Barstool were down here. They did a podcast. Bill Simmons and the whole Vox Media crew were down at the Belmont, which they called the Deep End, which was tragically just a total ripoff. They only had oh. uh, really 50. Like if you got in, there were only like 50 seats for the like the live taping. So it's, the Belmont has a big open area and then like kind of a smaller restaurant. So unless you were there really early, you couldn't see. So you did not, I did not get to see Ezra Klein and Bill Simmons and uh, the various other Vox personalities. Paris so I, don't, I don't. No, I didn't see the Harry. I don't know why they promoted it so much on their podcast because it was like it. I mean, the line at one point was you know hundreds deep, right? And yeah. there were already there was no way you're going to get into it. Um, and then a couple Gimlet shows, the mm. uh, the pitch from Gimlet, and then they were also down here. I guess not filming; they were recording for the upcoming uh, the startup uh, episodes of of the Gimlet podcast. So it was interesting to kind of just see how people do it and. Uh, you know, one thing I've now realized is uh, listeners of this show may, may find it surprising that like, we don't edit a lot. But when we when I watch these other guys live, oh, like they they do do a lot of editing behind the scenes. So they're uh, they're a little bit uh, more less unpolished, less polished. Mm. Right. And they're just kind of talking, which made me feel good because I'm and then Ira Glass, of course, the you know, the godfather of all podcasts was here in uh, not recording it, just giving a talk. But uh, it's always interesting to hear him talk because he's very, very good on the radio. But you see him talk as a presenter, and it's like, ah, oh, you know, he stumbles. He uses crutch words. You're like, oh, okay, he's a normal human being too. So, crutch words. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Uh, so it's nice. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And that seemed to be like podcasts, not so much that like, people were – like discovering them, it was more like, hey, this is the medium. Like if you're going to come here and you're going to like kind of do something and repurpose the content, you're going to record a podcast because mm. there was a whole – there was like an entire studio where they were just basically tune in, sponsored it, and they were doing just like live tapings all day long. So, so, so that was – So Brandon, is this is this the year of the podcast at South by Southwest, you think? <laughs> would, you, would you put it that way? The same way that like Twitter did not actually launch at uh, – at South by Southwest, but Twitter is understood to have launched was at 2007 at South by Southwest. Do you think, do you think this will be not, not apex podcasting, but the height of South by Southwest coverage and hypiness around podcasting? Was this I think it is. I mean, it's somewhere where it's like podcasts are still new enough that people like myself and many of the people's comments were interested in kind of watching people tape one, right, and see how it's all done and their sort of personalities. But I think going forward, it'll just become, oh, this is just another form of, you mm. know, media that you just consume. Um, so I do, you know, and, I, and there wasn't, what there wasn't a lot of, one, it wasn't nearly as crowded, I don't think, as it had been in past years. I This is the first year I had a full badge, so I can't give you direct comparisons, but like just living in Austin, like parking was okay. You could get on the train. It was, you know, it wasn't like totally insane. And there were a few sessions that got sold out and um but generally and then the the massive um kind of brand activation events where they essentially rent out like entire restaurants in austin and like like turned them like youtube turned it into like a, a whole uh, like youtube experience there was a whole like ready player one which is a, a movie coming out based on the book they had an entire building built out so there's all these crazy like i guess we just call them brand activations or they're probably companies are spending north of five million dollars to like get Bunch you to come of Westworld in. stuff yeah, yeah Westworld thing I'd miss that but they actually like created like a mini Westworld I guess a couple miles from downtown where they like had a couple acres Whoa. where they redid yeah. it that's cool so that was probably the biggest thing that people were talking about I didn't get to do it you had to really really be on your game um <laughs> and so that, th those are really interesting I don't know though like none of them just the amount of money and I, I this comes from someone who's been to, to a lot of conferences and seen various ways they've been uh justified but these things like you know you know a conference you know even a big conference maybe it's usually several hundred thousand dollars but like when you're getting into like four and five million dollars and you kind of go in and all these things are interesting but you're never you know they never really live up to the the hype of five million dollars so i don't know i don't know how 
Like the branding right. people have figured it out. I don't know how the brand guys sell these things. I'm just so, like, this is crazy. So, so, so you're telling me you didn't get a lot of good leads for Blue Mix? So. <laughs> <laughs> there were not a lot of uh, yeah. The tech, you know, the tech stuff. It's funny because it was in the same hotel as Chef, so it was sort of like I kind of had this. You know, obviously Matt Ray can talk more. Very technical. Chef is very, you know. Uh, that that crowd is very much into DevOps and knows what it's talking about. But you're kind of sitting in the same room and you're just getting like, you know, a very, very uh, cursory explanation of something. And it's like, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm not so yeah. sure I needed to come live to see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, I remember one year IBM had the uh, the cream colored couches and you know the probably a blue carpet, lovely booth. I you know you know I love a good booth and and I'm sure uh, you know I'm sure this year someone someone walks up and is just like I've got two questions. One, how would you describe that weird gray colored tinted hair you have with little streaks of dark blue in it? I'm still looking for what. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this, but if I go to a hairdresser and I'm like, I want to have that hair that I see people having where they tint it gray, but there's still dark little streaks in it every now and then. That's not, what do they call it when your hair grows out? It's not that your hair is growing out. It's that it's intentionally done. So you ask them what the name for that is, and then you're like, also, can you put at least half a million dollars on your credit card? Because that's kind of the entry price we're talking about here. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, so, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. So my my last, I think 2007 was my last uh, South by Southwest. Unless unless there was that time we went around for the uh, the free meat uh, uh, cavalcade. Mm. Um, <laughs> that that's the real event right there. <laughs> that's the real event. But but I think 2007. You said it was the year that uh, Twitter had their unveiling. I think that was the last year we had the Bar Camp Austin too. Oh, and um, I, I I had a talk, <clears throat> you know, I submitted a talk or whatever, and it was something about like um, mashing up mapping and I don't know ICQ or some 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 weird thing where I was you know wrapping stuff in Python and, and slapping it into you know Open Map or you oh, know you're a regular data days, scientist but, back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the funny thing is, uh, my talk was up against the Twitter guy's talk. <laughs> and there were four people in my talk and there were like 250 in the other room. Yeah. Uh, and they, they were was, all they was... were all texting to uh, 5505 or whatever, updating their yeah. status. They're yeah. like, Jack, check out this loser in the other room. And I'm like, <laughs> mapping, it's going to be big. Yeah. Uh, but do, anyway. Do you think, do you think um, that, uh, was it was it Christmasina or the Tantec guy who invented hashtags? I think it was Christmasina. Do you think every now and then that guy's like, fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, no. He's, he's hash sign fuck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you, got, you got so, a regular, so, yeah, you got uh, a potential baby Hitler situation there. But like, I don't yeah. know, probably, probably more good than bad. What, what are you yeah. going to do? Whatever happened to micro Speaking formats, of more good that was that. fun. But, but uh, go on. This episode... <laughs> Uh, this episode is brought to you by Datadog, um, a monitoring platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. It's built by engineers for engineers. Datadog provides visibility into more than 200 technologies, including AWS, Docker, and uh, my favorite chef, uh, with built-in metric dashboards and automated alerts. With end-to-end request tracing, Datadog provides visibility into your applications and their underlying infrastructure, all in one place. Go sign up for a free trial. Uh, we've got a, a URL in the show notes there, and uh, check that out. And Matt, did you know you can go to datadog.com slash SDT to sign up and get a free trial? And Datadog wants you to know that they just launched last week the general availability of their log management capabilities. So now, from one place, you can go in there, find the log, find what parameters are giving you a hard time. You can even trace the path all the way through. So really, no reason to ever have another outage. So make sure to go see datadog.com slash SDT. Sign up, get a free t-shirt, and tell them your friends from Software Defined Talk sent you. Yeah. So back to our our, our usual topics of uh, Kubernetes and and all things containerized. Um, Microsoft had an announcement this week. They've open-sourced Service Fabric. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, you probably said, what service fabric? 
Now, now is this um, the kind of thing that if I were to, let's just say, theoretically, a you know one of fifty clones of myself was yeah. traveling through space, and I went to a planet, and there were these strange carpet-like creatures moving around, and mm-hmm. and I didn't really know, but it turns out after two thousand years of analysis, they they were intelligent. Is that the kind of fabric we're talking about? <laughs> it's pretty close. Uh, it's pretty close. Um, so yeah, so uh, the, there has uh, it's part of the uh, the great diaspora of of Google technologies. Oh, good um, one, Matt. Good one. <laughs> wow, that was that was done artfully, like a, like a Bravosi swords person. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, the, the the key the key to, to any good tangent is to make sure everyone caught it. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, Service fabric, from what I can tell, uh, it looks like um, it looks like Microsoft saw what um, what Google was doing with Borg. Uh, they did their own kind of implementation of it, sat on it for a few years, and now they're open sourcing it. It looks like it looks like Mesosphere to me, right? It looks like um, and you know it runs containers, it has long-lived workloads, it handles scheduling, it does um, monitoring um, services. I was kind of like scratching my head at this one because I, mm. I read a bunch of the docs and they're like, you know, it's it's Mesosphere that started on Windows and now they're coming back around to Linux. Yeah. Am, well, am I wrong on that? It's It says they've been developing it close to a decade, which let's call that eight years, maybe nine. Uh, and yeah, you know, I remember coming across this term. I mean, uh, one of the one of the. Uh, post VMware acquisition names for spring was like V fabric, right? Like fabric was a popular metaphor for a while, which, and I think, I think your uh, comparison to like mesosphere and then the, 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 the uh, ultimate idea of what a Kubernetes should be kind of fits to that. But yeah, it, it is, huh. as, as they say, that's, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. It'd be fun <laughs> to go back and look at magic quadrants and see when, when and for how long they talked about fabrics. Now, I'm just commenting on the name. To to your point, I don't really know what that is. And I always, again, I'm just going to talk generally. <clears throat> I always assume when I encounter some fabric or some name like this that they were in a marketing room. And again, I don't know if this is the case here. And I may or may not have been participated in meetings like this. But they're in some marketing room. And they're like, listen, listen. I don't want to use the word solution. So let's brainstorm. <laughs> Basically, uh, uh, we, yeah. need, we need a word that pulls together buying everything. And I don't want that bullshit $100 a month sun crap. Like, but I want a name that pulls together everything that we would buy and then it's fully integrated. And you can't come at me with solution. And I feel like right. words, words like fabric come out of the other end of that, which I don't know if that's yeah. the case here. But anyways, that's, that's always but, but, my thinking but, of that. Yeah, but probably, probably somebody was on task and they were like, wait, wait, you want to use the, uh, the Polish word for fabric? No, 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 no. <laughs> we're not calling a, you know, that's not going to be the name of the project. We're not calling this thing Kubernetes. That, that's ridiculous. Um, we're we're, uh, we're going to call it what it is. And you're like, container service, service yeah. fabric. Now, so, now, so boring. Now, now all, all that, all that like uh, shit talking from me aside, right? Like, I think, I think if, if, if I were to spend a lot more time looking at this, it probably is actually really nice that they're kind of disambiguating what happens or what's going to go on with the fabric thing versus like, what's the deal with the Azure stack versus like, what's the deal with this thing? And, you know, when you have like 10 years worth of work or 30 years worth of work, like you end up with, not that any of the hosts on this podcast would know about that with the portfolio, but you end up with uh, with a pretty confusing, multi-layer, four-dimensional Venn diagram of stuff. So it would it would be cool if it uh, clears up anything there. And I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. But there was a nice register article this week. I think Matt, you found it talking about. I guess it's really. I think the title doesn't really do it justice. It says Netflix. Netflix could pawn twenty twenty pwn 2020 and it security and they kind of talk about like some of the technology they've created but he gets into kind of defining like what it is everyone's trying to do and he, he just kind of calls it a wrapper and then really the thing that i like about it is it's sort of you know we talk so much about kubernetes but really his, his point is that it's all this other stuff it's really at a minimum you need 
containers, layer two network extensibility, micro segmentation, yeah. network function, virtualization, automatic mo monitoring, and workload orchestration. And you know his point in this is saying that you know Netflix, along with VMware, and are you know are probably close to doing that, even though they're not often spoken about as like leading this area. And then there's all the other vendors we talk about, um, you know, Amazon, Google, IBM, whoever, everyone trying yeah. to, to catch up and do it all. And I think what I like about this is like, it's kind of the beginning of like the new uh, analyst or, you know, Gardner Magic Quadrant. I could see like an analyst reading this, like, yeah, yeah, we're going to have this new category. It's going to be all these things. And like, who can do them all? Because I think today, although I know others would disagree, like Kubernetes seems to be like a shorthand. Like people say Kubernetes often thinking it will do all this stuff. And then, you know, it's like, oh no, you need Istio. Oh no, you need this other thing. And, but the hope is they'll eventually one vendor or a group of vendors will figure this out. And I, and if anybody, it is Mesosphere who's kind of been at the forefront of trying to say, this is everything you need. Right. Even though we don't, you know, I don't know. I think we sometimes think of them as laggards. In, or I don't know, maybe not laggards, but they certainly aren't. They're fighting some behemoths, but they're adding yeah. a lot of functionality that the other groups are just now kind of figuring out that maybe they need. Yeah, I mean that that, that register article. It's if you get past the headline, it's really good. Um, where you know he's kind of laying out the landscape, what what how things are going to work, you know, in in the air quote future, um, which is now. <laughs> but then the 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 pivot to. And you know, if Netflix would just productize this, they you know they'd reap fortunes. I'm like, that is ridiculous, right? I mean, you're just companies don't do that um, in general, and that's not their DNA to be a company that is a customer-facing enterprise software. That that's not. It's it's like when when these companies open source some internal tool. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, over here at, you know, massive bank company, uh, we have this dashboard that we use. We're going to open source it and everyone and the industry will standardize upon it. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how enterprise software works, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you got to have like product managers and sales architects and, you know, people like hammering it in to fit all these places where the people can't be bothered, right? I mean, it's. There's a lot of you know blood, sweat, and tears and and making something you know enterprise because it's one thing for you know two companies to share something on GitHub, but it's another for like a hundred companies to standardize on it. You know that that's where I just thought this article was like, yeah, Netflix they could become an enterprise software company. Like, no, they won't. <laughs> yeah. Just no. Somebody somebody from Netflix could leave, raise some VC, and start a company to do that. But then they're just, you know, chasing this tiger, right? Netflix, you know, throws their stack in the air every every six months and new pieces land and, and that's what they're rolling. Yeah. You know, who wants to keep up with that? I mean, the real baller move is to go be an, a VP evangelist for AWS if you were once at Netflix. <laughs> but, you know, what are, what are you going to do? But uh, I see I see this is by Trevor Pott. I feel like I feel like if there's ever some kind of like low pan situation uh, in, in the tech world, me and Trevor Pot are going to be like flashing the little uh, the little gang sign at each other as we as we quaff yeah. some potion to feel good. He's uh, it, it'll it'll be me, Trevor Pot, and Matt Assay against uh, Low Pan. We'll have to you know make sure that our wrists are in good shape. But yeah, <laughs> I, I need several lot of health. <laughs> I can help you, but uh, yeah, you know I I think I think you know kind of walking back my making fun of things called fabric. I think, I think the point, you know, you, you raise is good is like, and this is why I am rarely actually ever uncomfortable with the word solution because like, to me, it has a very, if, if, uh, to you, to hijack Brandon's phrase, it has a very broad 30 foot deep meaning to it, which is to say, it means the totality of all the stuff your organization has to do to like show a logon window so you can go check what account your account balance is right it's just like all of that like everything integrated together the process that you i mean solution kind of stops at the technology layer but you know all the hardware that you need all the networking all the however it is you run your application all this stuff plus it has to be integrated together <laughs> right and all and right. so like to me that's what ultimately a solution is and it's why um you know 
when we would, uh, when I would do like strategic assessments of IBM, it would be like, here's what happens. IBM comes in and fucks your shit up when it comes to solutions. Like that's what they do. And I think that's still the case. And so it's easy to bag on a solution because it's a big, gigantic project that can go poorly. But that's the reality of stuff. Everyone wants to customize these things. So it's little wonder that someone like a Microsoft like would have a fabric. And Microsoft has always been very good, I mean, going back to PDFs and stuff. One of the things that freaked people out about Microsoft was that they were a fully vertically integrated stack. Like all the stuff came on your MSDN DVDs and you had everything you needed. And us Java people would always joke and be like, oh, they've got their own JSPs. Like they would mimic back and forth and not just, it was multi-directional. Like they would seem to have the same thing and Microsoft was always known for coming up with its own words for things and ha ha ha. But like they have everything. And so it would be little wonder that they have a fabricy solution that's basically just like install this shit and it will do everything for you. Mm-hmm. Um, which... I'm I'm always slightly I'm biased since I have a solution myself that helps me pay my bills, uh, in in Pivotal Cloud Foundry and, and everything. But like, uh, you know, like Netflix has its own solution, and people like to pull it all together. And it is always the reasons that you get afraid of a solution that you're locking into a slow moving thing that you're going to have to pay a lot for that doesn't actually do what you want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a universal problem in uh, what do you call it software and and it (laughs) like no matter what you use you're going to have that problem if you suck at it and it is like i don't know so i assume that's what the fabric is a wonderful solution (laughs) yeah but it's interesting going back to your other comment though about netflix um because obviously they probably do have a lot of this figured out and there's also a brief mention of facebook as being another company that probably likely has you know all of this figured out in some way so I agree. While I agree with you 100%, Matt, that this isn't really what Netflix seems like they would want to do or ever do, it is interesting that like Amazon stands alone, right, as this company. Like I don't know, maybe we went back 15 years, we'd say, why is this e-commerce company, you know, putting out all this cloud stuff? And although they haven't been very open, you know, active in open source projects, where you can debate that, it's it's they are really the only. Maybe it's just the ambition of the founder, right? They had this ambition to start lots of new businesses because it would be, it would be interesting as much technology that comes out of Netflix and as many people that leave Netflix to go work at Amazon and evangelize Amazon, um, you know, it, they could probably, if they wanted to, if that was, uh, I guess, Reed Hastings motivation, you know, maybe they could spin out a company and try to do it just because there is a path um, like Amazon has yeah. done before, but it doesn't, but I say that and I think to myself, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like it doesn't seem like they would have just like Facebook, Facebook nor Netflix seems to have no interest. And I don't know necessarily for them, it would be the financial windfall that it is for Amazon. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and they're, and they're, they're kind of different things. I mean, providing a utility, if you will, that that's what Amazon's doing versus, you know, this bespoke enterprise thing. I mean, just, just you, you, you know, the product manager at Netflix is like, uh, they want this thing to work with service now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's just like, um, or, 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 you know, um, the government agency we're talking to wants to see our five-year roadmap. Right. Like, right. But at I, some I mean, point, like it did happen. I think I agree with you, but at some point those questions at Amazon, they're like, yep. And we're going to do it. You know, they're like, right. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's interesting to think back. And I think this is why like everyone's like, oh, they were caught off guard. No one saw Amazon coming. Yeah. Because like when you think back at the moment, you're like, this doesn't seem like what Amazon would be getting into. But now you look back at like, well, actually made a lot of sense. So yeah, I don't know. It's like hindsight bias, I guess. It's just in retrospect, these things can look smarter than they look at yeah. at the time. Yeah. You know, that, well, that, I, seem, that seems like one of the, I wouldn't say many, but one of the handful of cracks in, in classic disruption theory is sometimes the disruptor is just fucking crazy. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, like, and, and sometimes they're not even selling anything. Like those, those are two things that always get on me is like, uh, you know, you can just destroy a market because you have billions of dollars and you just open source Kubernetes and you're like, surprise. And, and yeah. you like cause all sorts of problems. And, and there is some businesses it's, but it's not that kind of move. Isn't 
described very well in disruption theory. And then there's like just I, I, I don't want to say mad genius, but there's the maverick thing where it's just like, you know, somehow the maverick comes in and they just like there's no business rhyme or reason to it. And and they're allowed to uh, break all the rules. And sometimes you get a spruce goose and sometimes you get AWS. You're right. Either, you know, like, <laughs> but that causes all yeah, sorts I think, of problems. I think that's the best illustrated just by what the Amazon Fire Phone and AWS, you know, like. I think at the time you could probably call them both like, this is pretty crazy. I'm not sure it's going to work. And then you look back and it's like, yeah, the fire phone was a stupid idea. But if you had the success, a little, you know, quote unquote, halo effect of AWS, you're probably like, yeah, you know what? I think people want a phone. People are ready to make the move. So um, yeah, like why not, why not give it a shot? And, and, you know, it would be interesting for somebody like Netflix though, like to your point about a general purpose computing platform sold as the cloud probably doesn't make sense, but like, what they could easily do, which would be interesting, would be, you know, user-created videos. Like the YouTube, like, you know, that's an interesting – like, what well, if my um, – like, my son watches probably mostly Netflix and YouTube. And it's like, if you just left them in one interface or, like, the Netflix video that, um, you know, we're, quote, paying for, then auto-played, like, some obscure video of a kid playing a video game, you know, like, it would work with him. He'd probably just, like, yeah. sit there all day until, uh, you know – we made him stop watching that crap. <laughs> well, and, and YouTube probably already disrupted that, right? They're, they're yeah, like, with YouTube right, rad, you know, rad they're like, stuff, yeah. Well, you know, there's no – Netflix probably looks at what they do and they're like, what could we spin out as a, you know, as a foundational thing for other people? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the obvious things are like, well, we're really good at video. Well, it turns out, you know, Google's really good at video. And Amazon, uh, you know, at reInvent, they announced essentially like everything to be your own YouTube. Um, you know, that was one of the things that they released is like all these video services. Now, I don't know if they're taken off yet, but it's kind of like Netflix probably doesn't go into that space. You know, mm. so what are they, what else are they good at? Well, they're good at right. IT operations, but well, that I, I is think, its own ball I, of wax. I, I think I think to build on uh, to close this out to build on what Brandon was saying. I think there's. I remember there was an important like uh, you know uh, strategy journey person. That is that a word? Journey person, journeyman uh, rule that I learned or, or thing is that most of what you do when you're working on like corporate strategy is saying no in a very <laughs> well documented, presentation heavy. I work till two a.m. in the morning for two weeks kind of way. And and right. for and and using this as an example, right? Undoubtedly, and I'm sure it's some goddamn developers. Undoubtedly, some developers like ran it up the flagpole and they were like, you know what we should do? We should like sell this or offer it. I mean, it has lots right, of value. Right. And, like, yeah. and they were like, I have some, uh, some, some, some math that I've done. And, and it's, in, <laughs> it's in like LaTeX or some shit. Um, and they were presenting it to someone and someone was like, you know, that's a great idea. But also I could make $5 billion over here by licensing Veep and showing that. So, uh, I've <laughs> exactly. got, which, which like, is, which is to say you have to prioritize what is, is best, which usually means your best chance at making a lot of money and you dismiss these other things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more money you're making, the more likely you are to say no. Yeah. 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 It's, you have things to protect. I guess, I guess that is, is one of the smarter things that disruption theory points out is those, those laurels still are comfortable, but they rot like anything else. So you, yeah. you gotta, you gotta watch out. Well, uh, it's a little short because I had a late start here. And by a little short, I guess I mean 60 minutes instead of 120 uh, this episode. Uh, but, um, well, that would be two hours. We never really go that long. But uh, so, so um, uh, you know, there's a lot more things we didn't cover. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 126 to see them. Hopefully, I'll send out my new, the newsletter that we have at the end of this week. If you go to Software Defined Talk, you can sign up for that newsletter. We have a Slack channel you can get into that's becoming quite active and fun. And also, uh, because you all didn't want to pay full price, you can now get the Software Defined t-shirts for 20% off if you use the code SDTFSG. Is that right? That's right. F- 20% off. Go to a- and use the code. Oh, I have it right in front of me FSG. That's fine, Perfect. Southern gentlemen. But if you just go to the show notes or, or you know, at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 126 or or whatever, you can find that easily. And you can get a T-shirt. They're very nice T-shirts. They're good stuff. We've even had someone's trying to swipe away the fine Southern gentleman's business from us. So uh, 
we're, we're, we're doing some supplier stuff here. We got, we got the Porter, Porterian wedge of control going on. If only we can drive up the demand, we'll, we'll ratchet costs from the suppliers for higher quality. That, oh, it's always a terrible strategy in software. <laughs> Uh, and also, hey, Kote, yes. I was going to say, make sure, you know, you did a great interview this week with mm. uh, Moogsoft and uh, at our Software Defined Interviews, where you can go listen to a little long form content, a little bit by me, a lot of interviews by Kote. But we wanted to point out that uh, our uh, friends from Moogsoft were on this week, and then later in the week, they announced securing $40 million in Series D funding. So, right. causation, correlation. I'll let everyone decide for themselves. Yes. Uh, but it was a, it was a good interview on uh, I believe it was is it AI ops artificial intelligent ops? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we mostly how, how talked about it? like like machine learning and 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 to to his credit, Dominic tried pretty hard to always come back to at least a subtle Moogsoft pitch, and and I think I think we we steered slightly away from it. I'm being a little unfavorable, but he he did use good examples from uh, Moogsoft for. But we mostly talked about machine learning, and uh, of course. I tried to get to the bottom of more British idiosyncratic stuff, uh, even though I think he lives in Italy, but I think we talked about something. And speaking of idiosyncratic British people, this coming Monday, uh, we'll have an interview with uh, Javad, who I worked with at uh, 451. We talk about security things, and, and me not knowing much about security, it was very educational and fun. And also, he's, he's a good sport. And uh, I, think, I think we end up talking about French-Canadians, that's probably who I ostracized there. But I feel like with my name, I've got a little bit of leeway. And uh, leeway. We, we analyze that to some point. So if you go to softwaredefinedinterviews.com, you should subscribe to that. And we've got a fair amount of, uh, of other good ones. I just got a, uh, let's call him a, a SVP CIO type to agree to record something with me tomorrow, which should be a good, uh, a good interview. He's, got a, he's, he's a good person. Anyways, um, also, uh, if you still want to get a sticker, just email stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and Brandon will astutely not use stamps.com and instead go to the post office and spread cheer uh, with, with the post That's right. And I want to thank uh, one of our listeners. I won't say, because I'm never sure they want their name or companies, but I'll just say they're in North Carolina. They've been a big fan and I just sent one out today. So mm. send me an email. We'll get you a sticker. So, so uh, uh, Matt, this week, yes. what do you recommend to people? <laughs> Uh, I got, I got two quick recommendations. Um, one is, uh, you know, if you've, uh, if you're a long time chef user like myself, um, I just started using chef policy files, which have been kind of bouncing around and, uh, they're kind of awesome. Um, now that I'm using them. So, uh, you know, go read up on those. Um, if you want to generate software locks for everything in your infrastructure. So everything is absolutely versioned kind of cool um and uh my other pick is uh i've been watching a, a uh a danish crime drama on uh on netflix uh called dick day if uh, if you like your danish tv shows and who doesn't um with your subtitles on uh maybe you might enjoy it uh it's it's uh it's a little on the soap opera side um mm. but uh it, it's not it's not the hard thing like well anyway it's good yep how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend this week? I'm going to recommend uh, the Netflix series Altered Carbon. I, I don't know uh, exactly what you were saying earlier, Coach. I can't remember, but you were saying something about could you just uh, clone yourself? And so that's what got me thinking. Yes, so in Altered Carbon, you can essentially copy yourself and upload yourself into uh, various different uh, bodies, and uh, you can even make a copy. So if you're interested in seeing what life would look like if you could do that, Check out Netflix Altered Carbon. It's, mm. uh, it's fun. I'd say the first. It's. I think it starts very strong, and then it's it's worth finishing. It's. Uh, but the first few episodes I thought were really interesting, and you can even see what uh, their take is on artificial intelligence and and how it all works together some way in the dis in the maybe fifty years in the distant future. So mm. check it out. Yeah, I I, lo I love that actor in there. What what's his name? Uh, I'm looking that up now to be all cool. Joel. Well, he's actually Kinnaman. Is that him? Yeah, and I think he's actually um, like I don't know. I'm going to say Scandinavian because I can't remember it. So when you see he does, I mean, he seems as American or very much a, a very natural American neutral accent. But uh, 
he's actually from I think somewhere in Scandinavia, and he's uh, and when you see him like talk, just he's just like wow. I mean, oh, it's a, yeah, it's an it's an amazing transformation he uh, undergoes because he was in another series on Netflix that took place in Seattle oh, where yeah. they were solving a murder and the name I just forgot, but it the was killing. Uh, that was that's the killing, an awesome yeah. show. Yeah, the yeah. killing. So you, if you like him, you can watch the killing, and if you want some more of him, you can check out Al- yeah. Altered Carbon. It's it's, it's like uh, it's like Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead. You're like, what the fuck? That guy's not from the South when, <laughs> when he talks when he talks all normal. But yeah, yeah. Man, man, the killing was great. If if I remember, he played uh, the character of Detective Eminem in in that uh, that series. But man, he was awesome in that show. That was a good show. Man, that 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 lady gave uh, Dana Scully a run for her money. She's a, that's a good show. I think they're coming out with a new season of it. Well, uh, I have I have in the in the uh, uh, tradition of Matt Ray, I have an anti recommendation and then a good recommendation. My anti recommendation. Listen, listen. Much like with the French Canadians, I am a native Austinite, so I am allowed to commit barbecue heresy and say the following: If you go to the Salt Lick, don't order the bison ribs. It's a fucking ripoff. Like, right? They have on the line is like beef ribs or bison ribs and you're like i know what a beef rib is it makes me sick for two weeks after eating it i will have one please uh it's so big and voluminous and greasy and everything so you think like oh bison rib i mean bison's big uh, same thing i'm gonna be all like uh, some cartoon character eating a big bison rib but they bring it to you and it's basically like a quarter longer than a pork rib and they of course slather it in that goddamn sauce they have which annoys me but whatever and uh, they're just, there's nothing special about the bison ribs. So don't order that. The brisket's fine. Sausage is good. Whole rest of the menu is, if you like bread, they'll just bread your gut out. You can get that. But don't get the bison ribs. My positive recommendation. So I, uh, a while ago, I wanted to track my sleep better. So I got this Garmin Vivo Smart 3, which also is waterproof, uh, which is nice. You know, it's one of these, uh, you know... Uh, become one of those people in, in Cupertino photos where you're running around and being healthy and wearing Lululemon <laughs> things. Uh, and uh, it's great for sleep tracking, and it's really nice. It's like just one of these uh, cheapy but durable plastic things, unlike a fancy Apple Watch. And when I was over at Canyon Lake, I, uh, I dropped my Apple Watch and finally cracked it and broke it. And when I got home, I was taking it off, and the whole watch face just kind of fell out as if it you know the guts of an eviscerated person was coming out and so it's kind of fucked and i've been wearing this uh this garmin and it's great it's like 160 dollars and it's waterproof up to 50 meters and i don't know it's it's a good device and it has a charge for like four days instead of just uh increasingly 12 hours uh i I would look into that maybe the new apple watches are great i have one of the uh first generations of them so as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. As mentioned previously and mentioned now, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 126. We got all the other junk you can get involved in if you're really interested in it there as well. Uh, you know, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.